Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening and welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. I'm Travis Dow. And I'm Pete Coleman of the Bohemian podcast. So today we're going to simplify and complicate things, shall we? I want to bring up one of John Dee's sources, first of all, and that would be Giovanni Agostino Pantio. That was he's he's Italian, so that's that's the original. But sometimes you'll see him as Johannes Pantios, which is kind of a germified version of him, or Pantura, or some some aspect or some variation of his last name. But we'll go with with Pantio for the show because it's easy. And also a new word, which is archimy or archimastery. Have you heard I've this? I've never heard of that. So. If you Google it in English, you generally just come up with uh, the, the, the work of Giovanni Pontio where he mentions it and kind of defines it. But if you Google it in French or in German, you get a ton more results. And that's, that's not an accident. So we'll, we'll break that down in a little bit and explain what that is and why that is. Um, it'll, it'll kind of add a little bit of depth to our definition of alchemy, um, which I always think is interesting. So... But yeah, but let's let's talk about this Giovanni Pontio first. So Giovanni was an Italian alchemist and a priest of the 16th century in Venice, Italy. In 1519, he published the book Ars Transmutationis Metallicae, both the permission of the Pope and the Council of Ten in Venice. And even though the council had actually forbidden alchemy in 1488 to counteract counterfeiting. Yeah, there's actually there's actually some interesting history of Venice and alchemy, but I mean, we've mentioned some alchemists that were there, but... Venice was the a, was a sea, yeah, the, the, seaport, wasn't it? At, at time, yeah, so the a Council lot of, of Ten, they're the ones that kind of ran the city, because it was more of a republic than a, than a kingdom, at least at times. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. But in 1530, he published, and this is another word that I'll try to define later, but he published, Vor Academia Contra Alchemiam, Ars Distincta Ab Archemia et Sophia. Which, okay, so voracadumia, which is the word I'll define later, ver, uh, versus alchemy, the art of distinction of alchemy and wisdom. It was, that was my ad lib translation. I don't know how good my Latin is. I'm gonna, let's go with that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sounds, so, sounds good to me. This is, this is all like Google translated from French and German sources, so you're going to have to forgive me here. But basically in that work is where he differentiated alchemy from archimy. And this is, if you just Google archimy in English, you'll come across that work probably or some some annotation of it or something like that. But um, his take on it was that alchemy cannot produce real transformation in gold in contrast to archimy, okay? And so archimy he attributes to the biblical Tubal um, and then also kind of connects it with the Kabbalah. And Tubal... Um, if you look that up, it's like it could be taken as the people of Iberia or Iberia and Italy, depending on the sources. So Josephus wrote on Tubal as one peoples and other 
ancient chroniclers and historians said it as like Iberia and Italy. Um, but in any case, so he, he kind of tries to tie it to them and the Kabbalah and, you know, also gives a definition of alchemy in relation to alchemy. Uh, so, so basically, alchemy is a term sometimes used to distinguish certain aspects of alchemy from other aspects of alchemy. That's, that's probably the easiest way to say it. Alchemy is a, is a word used in the Middle Ages and also the Renaissance, and it's basically to designate a metal or alchemical substance composition, like a mixture of gold and silver with some lower metal. So basically, some sort of term of metallurgy. But it could be used as, an, as the word alloy itself. So instead of saying alloy, they might say alchemy, okay? Probably more in French than in English. Like, in English, I've never really heard that. Um, and then the word archimastery or our chemistry, however you want to say it, appears to be first mentioned in the, in the first verse of chapter one of a work by Thomas Norton in 1477. I will get to him one of these days. And the work is called The Mastery, Full Marvelous, and Archimastery is the Tincture of Holy Alchemy. So he says Archimastery is, I don't know if he's calling it a tincture itself, but it's something to do with the holy art of, of alchemy, right? And, Another mention is Barchi Benedetto, that lived from 1502 to 1565, uses the word as synonymous for alchemy. So Benedetto actually says that alchemy is a true royal science at this point. And why is that important, Travis? Well, so for one, he also kind of mentions that it's synonymous with alchemy. So um, some people differentiate and some people kind of says it's one and the same. So I just, I just thought it was interesting that this guy actually mentioned alchemy and talked about it a little bit. For To break it down a little more... Um, for, for Panteos or Panteo, alchemy provides, basically provides that golden objects on, are golden on the surface and appearance, okay? So it could be fake gold or fraud or, you know, counterfeit, that kind of thing. While alchemy is the ancient science of, like, biblical truth, like the Tubal kind, like the Tubal that I mentioned earlier, the, the Spanish thing. And, and basically follows a tradition of medieval alchemical authors and Arab and, and Latin authors. Um, so this is for him the Kabbalah of metals. And at that time, so in the 16th century, um, Kabbalah was, was really kind of taken up by a lot of people, and especially as introduced by Pico della Mirandola. I definitely have a, an outline like halfway written for him. He's, he's been on the list a really long time, but... Um, it, it, he, he kind of created this fascination with, with Kabbalah and Christian Kabbalah. And Pantio was kind of one of those people in, in, the, in, the, um, in the tradition of the Christian Kabbalah. And his treaties, Pantio's treaties, were reprinted in 1550 in Paris and repeated in the great collection of, the great alchemical collection, Teatrum Chemicum, which I know we've mentioned before. And that book, the Teatrum Chemicum, or or collection of works or, or, or books, whatever, definitely interested many alchemists, including John Dee, Michael Meyer, Jacques Gori, Heinrich Kunrat, Oswald Kroll, Andreas Lebavios, which all of those guys, we've either done a show on or are, are on my list. So, you know, really um, an inspiration for really important alchemists um, around that time. John Dee is actually what caught my attention. I was reading about John Dee and heard about this guy. So... Um, but, the, but the word lived on, and, it, and the reason I came across French sources 
is because it, it lived on in the French vocabulary. And you're right, Travis, in the 19th and 20th century, if you jump ahead a little bit, in 1834, the French dictionary of Napoleon Landais, Ar Archimé, defines as art of making gold and silver. Mm -hmm. right? The Archimé di differs from the alchemy in that it generally occupies the transmutation of imperfect metals into more perfect. So, so that's actually an important note, and this is kind of one of the reasons I wanted to talk, to talk about it, is... So we've talked about all kinds of theories of the Philosopher's Stone, right? In some of the theories, you say that you're, like um, Sandivogius, for instance, that you're ripening gold from lesser metals, and then once you ripen it to the purest form of gold, that becomes so pure that you can seed other metals with it. So according to Napoleon Landais, this is alchemy, okay? And alchemy is the other sort of uh, creating the Philosopher's Stone, which is almost more of a biological process, um, where you're burning plant matter, you're starting from scratch, you're not starting from, like, silver or, or some other metal. You're, you're really, you're doing, it's a whole different process. So what, what, to, to clarify here, Travis, so what Napoleon Landais is basically saying is that our chemistry, in this sense, is a study of the, of the metal, the metal transmutation, and alchemy is more of a biological Yes, yeah. It's still, I would consider both alchemy, right? I, I would too. Yeah. yeah. But, but um, alchemy is in the sense of like when Sendivogius or those people, even, even uh, Paracelsus, when they're saying that you're changing one metal into another, that's more alchemy. And in a way, they're starting to differentiate, like, I think what a lot of people are doing is saying all that fake alchemy is called alchemy. The real alchemy isn't even called alchemy. It's called archimastry or alchemy. And they're trying to differentiate themselves from the fraudsters by inventing a new word or, or grasping a different word and applying it to a certain definition. Now, we mentioned the Kabbalists in here before, Travis. Do the Kabbalists gravitate more to this version of the description? For Pantio, it did. Okay. Yeah, like he really tied it all together. The French-English dictionary Porquet in 1844, alchemy defines as the chemical analysis of metals. So that's interesting, actually, because in the 19th century, it sort of became a French word for studying metallurgy. So if we have any French listeners on here, confirm or deny, as long as you know what you're talking about when you're talking about the 19th century, because I don't think in modern French you probably say something like metallurgy. But in the 19th century, it came to mean, because now chemistry had taken hold, alchemy has gone the way of the dodo, and but alchemy was still a word to basically say that you're, you're studying metal alloys or you're studying, um, you know, metal composition. Archimy was still a word used in French, not in English. So this is why I think it's interesting you mentioned a French-English dictionary. So, um, you know, it had long passed from the English language but was still a French word in the 19th century. And then to bring it up to the 20th century, for Fulcanelli, alchemy is exoteric and archimy is esoteric. So... Alchemy is more along the lines of like spagyric alchemy, um, as in like herbal medicines and the like. I've I've had a lot of listeners that that have kind of prompted me to okay, when are you going to get to like spagyric, 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 spagyric maybe. But it, sorry for the pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, yeah, there is. I mean, that's easy to, to Google. That's that's even a 20th century tradition that has lived on, which is alchemy in the sense of like medicinal alchemy or kind of like herbal alchemy. So Fulcanelli and gave two strong definitions. And I think this is kind of interesting because, remember, Fulcanelli lived in the 1920s. 
So it could be an attempt to give alchemy a sort of second life by separating archimistry from alchemy, okay? And so to him, alchemy is the hermetic science and, and even potentially a spiritual chemistry which attempts to enter the mysterious um, kind of dynamic transmutation of natural bodies, maybe in general, but, but he, he ties alchemy more to that you know, ancient her hermetic science, whereas alchemy continues to be about the goal of transmutating one metal into another. So again, we have, you know, so Fulcanelli, he's, he's 1920s, so no longer our golden age of alchemy, but he's definitely trying to separate the two in meaning, like strongly. So, and when we see a continuation of this, if, if you're looking through the 19th century occult revival or uh, 20th century authors, alchemy becomes much more of a spiritual sort of thing or spagyric alchemy where it becomes like herbal medicine and, th and that sort of thing. To Fulcanelli, alchemy was really confined to the mineral kingdom. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is way past our golden age and, and the, the scope of this podcast. I just want to kind of uh, make that clear that even though the word might have died, died out in English for the most part, you might come across it. And, and even in our golden age, in, in the 16th century, um, you have its first mentions and you have people separating alchemy from alchemy. So, so it is important to kind of lay down the definition and I think by looking at this word, we get a stronger of stronger definition of alchemy. You know, we have we have other takes on it. So you know, that's why I'm saying I said that my very first sentence was we're going to simplify and complicate things. Okay, because also according to P Patrick Riviere, the alchemy is the art of counterfeiting, especially like precious metals like gold. So um, again, I, I haven't clarified anything at all. And part of that is Google Translate's fault. But um, yeah, so I just, I just thought it was interesting that you might come across this word. And to some people, even today, archimastery or archimy is the true alchemy. Um, if, someone's, if someone is talking about alchemy, then they don't really know what they're talking about. That is not our take on it, because um, our take is mainly from the 17th century. So I, I ignore everything that came after the 19th century and later. Um, I've said that a thousand times, but... Um, if you're reading a kind of new age, I don't want to say new age, but if you're reading a 20th century work on alchemy, some, something pretending to still be relevant or still follow alchemy, then they might use different words or they might say, oh, this is the true way because it's alchemy and not alchemy, whatever. That's all, that's all beside the point. Um, but I did want to give you a definition. Right, is everyone nice and confused now? Uh, it is, going back to your beginning of the podcast, Travis, it is uh, simplify and confuse. Uh, it's uh, it, it's just, be, just because I the, think the, that the the alchemy that... and alchemy both have a very uh, familiar sound to, to them. Um, what we do get out of this is that there are just two different types of thoughts well, and, of metal versus yeah, biology. And the reason, the reason I can't simplify this any further is because you have people giving it contradictory definitions. So for some... Archimastery is the true alchemy. For others, it is they are both valid, different ways to get to the philosopher's stone. And for some, uh, alchemy then becomes um, more of a more of a biological study rather well, than well, just you, metallurgy. You saw, you saw in the 19th century, in the end of the nineteenth century, the deviation. You saw you saw that alchemy was being left behind in the sense of the word of his traditional yeah, definition. So, uh, that's why I thought it was interesting that right. it lived on in the French language because then they applied it to metallurgy 
in the actual, like, we're studying alloys. Like, yes, we know what an element is. Yes, we know you cannot create lead to gold. But if you have a silver alloy, a silver gold alloy, and we're studying it, that's our chemistry. So that's, it's, it, that's a valid thing. It's a science. It's a real science. And it would be. You well, know, it would be know, metallurgy. Wor- so. Words and definitions also evolve with, with yeah. people and their language. Yeah. And I think if nothing perfect is an example, more perfect is an example as the word chemistry. And we talked about this numerous times in the past few years. You know, chemistry as we look at it today is a bona fide scientific study. And it has a lot of its foundation, not only in its, in its wording, but also in some of its, uh, its practices in alchemical discussions and alchemical research yeah. from centuries before. Mm-hmm. The last word I'll drop on you tonight is for our Kadumia, which I mentioned before. That's kind of the Kabbalah of metals. So back to Panteo. Um, I just want to bring it up because it is interesting. So, again, this is him tying alchemy to the Christian Kabbalah, which we've talked about before. And it's from his book in 1519. And he mentions, in the book, he mentions mirror manufacturing. And besides, he also mentions the Hebrew alphabet and then two esoteric alphabets. And one is from the Occulta Philosophia from 1513, which is by Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa. Yes, I own that book. <laughs> and the other is the is Enochian, okay, which later influenced a similar construction of Enochian by John Dee. Now, John Dee is I also own. <laughs> um, but but so so he actually did Enochian, which is that angelic language, first before John Dee. And John Dee, he was one of John Dee's. Um, uh, inspirations, and John D had a copy of Panteo's book with annotations by D from 1559, and and it was in John D's library, and it you can now see it in the British Library. So um, I came across this guy, this this Giovanni Panteo, while researching John D, and was like, okay, this is this is a, a crazy dude. I definitely need to know more about him, and um, he was. Interesting in his bringing Kabbalah together with alchemy, and then um, kind of splitting the you know splitting alchemical processes into different sorts. Um, so a lot of times you just see one al- one alchemist championing one sort of recipe and making fun of all the rest. And Patio kind of started to classify different recipes, and and also you know these esoteric languages and all, and all that kind of thing. So I, it's just, it just adds another facet to our definition of alchemy. It just adds another little bit of, of depth to it. So again, he, I mean, also when I was researching Fulcanelli, he came up, he came up and um, unfortunately, there's just not a whole lot out there on his life. Even for this podcast, it was like French and German sources. So now you have an English one. You're welcome, world. <laughs> I, I think we needed it, actually. Arguably. Uh. Actually, maybe not. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that one. And um, that's all I have. I'd like like to thank some of the listeners that actually emailed me a couple of ideas. I think very soon I'm going to do a couple of shows based on listener suggestions. Um, Go and and take a listen to the History Podcasters Network collage at historypodcasters.com. There's a new collage out there on alcohol. And we did one on distillation. For Bohemian Podcast, we did one on beer. And for History of Germany, we did one on the Beer Purity Act. 
which I just translated into German, and the jokes do not translate. So. <laughs> but no matter what, you get to listen to Pete and Travis at least three more times. No one's going to go there now. Thanks for listening. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.